today I'm going to preach a message to you that I've walked out myself, and I think I'm still walking some of it today. The title of my message is I See Clearly Now. And I want to talk to you about racism. I was raised in an environment that was highly prejudiced. My grandmother had 10 kids, six boys, four girls. They were raised up back in the day, and they were prejudiced. If, if the uncles were to pick on the, grand, the, the nephews, they would, they would use this thing. They said, I saw you kissing that black girl. That's how they made fun of us. And I was raised in this environment. It wasn't a violent environment, but it was highly prejudiced. There was some resistance there was some, some lack of giving anybody an opportunity. My grandmother, as much as I love my grandmother, she would go to church, have a great time. We would sing hymns on the swing, on the porch. She influenced my life highly, but she was also struggling with prejudice. She would, she would use the N-word frequently. She, I was raised in this environment, and then I got to high school, and I, I joined the football team. What was funny is I was at a high school where I was the minority. I was at a predominantly black school, and I joined the football team, and the guys that I called brothers on the team were of all different colors. And the one, there's a lot of things I like about sports. I don't like it when sports becomes a god, but there's a lot of good things about sports, not individual sports, <laughs> group sports. <laughs> it teaches you a lot of skills along the way. You pick up some bad stuff too, but... Uh, overall, I think it's still good. So I was on the football team, and some of these guys that I was raised to be so prejudiced against and to think weirdly about and to, to keep like a, a, an arm's length distance from don't trust them. Don't trust them. You can't ever trust them. These guys became, over time, some guys that I could eventually trust. One of my best friends in high school was a black guy. His name was Jay Ina. He was highly intelligent, come from a great family, played college football, went to the NFL for a little while, and he's turned around and come back to the, the community of Franklin, and he's now a principal at one of the high schools, and he's helping to change, come on, but he and I became really good friends in the middle of all this. In 1991, I found myself struggling with this prejudice, I found myself struggling with racism I knew what I had experienced myself, but I also knew the great influence that my family had had on me for all these years. I knew something was in me that wasn't right, but I couldn't figure it out. And I had these new relationships with these folks that weren't the same color as me. They didn't come from the same neighborhood as me. And, I, and they, were, they seemed to be legitimate. And the more I trusted them, the more it seemed to be legit. And I was like, I just, I was confused. And in 1991... I became a victim of racism. Don't ever forget that racism goes in every direction. It flows in every direction. It's not just the white man against the black man. It's all across the board. It's not just about color. It's about religious beliefs. It's about culture. It's about ethnicity. It's about all those things. So let's not pigeonhole it into just black and white. I became a victim of racism. In 1991, if you, you, some of you will remember this, Rodney King was beaten by the police. I think it was in California or San Francisco somewhere. 
And, and they took the police officers to court or, or to trial, and they were set free, and then riots broke out. Remember that? Remember the riots? You remember the, the truck driver who got drug out of the truck and beat with a brick? And you remember those images? Okay. This was that time. All of a sudden, in my high school, while I was the, major- the minority, one day I felt this strange pressure during school. We were at our last break of the day, and we were getting ready to go to our last class of the day. And me and my best friend were standing in the commons area, and we were a school of about 3,000 people. And the commons area was full. And you ever, you ever get into a place where you can feel, I, I hate to use the word energy because some people take that to a weird place, but like you could feel this, this thing, this energy in the room, like something ain't right. It felt like something's about to pop, something's about to blow. That's what it felt like. In fact, my, my best friend and I were talking. I was like, dude, bro, it feels tense around here, man. I'm like, he's like, yeah, bro, I don't know. I mean, it's like, this is weird, man. I'm like, and then the bell rings, and he and I take off walking to go to class, and I hear something break out behind me, some screaming and hollering and a bunch of rustling. And I look back, and I see somebody fighting like a nosy high school kid. I looked. I went, oh, somebody's fighting. And I went, that's Sam's book bag. And I seen a shirt fly. And I, that's Sam's shirt. I'm a little slow. I said, oh, no, that's Sam. Sam had about 10 black guys beating the tar out of him. So like a good friend, I ran in. I ran in and just started swinging. By the time I got there, Sam was, he had one guy, and he buried his face in the guy's chest, and he's getting kicked and beat and all these other things. And I ran. I stood on top of him. I just started swinging and it formed a circle. And after a little while, you know, you'd see people coming in and kicking and all this stuff. And after a little while, the principals and teachers came and they broke the whole thing up. They brought us into the library. It was just, it was just like, wow. For the... Weeks after that, it took me a, a while to kind of somewhat unpack it. I was young. I didn't know how to unpack this kind of stuff. I had rage inside of me. I had vengeance inside of me. I had, I had revenge. I was asking for names. Did y'all see who? Why? I was going to pay somebody back. I had all that going on inside of me. I had unbelief. I had, I had like confusion inside of me. I had like, why? Why would these people that I started to trust turn on me? Why would this happen? Why would they think that we're involved with Rodney King? I wasn't even in the trial. I had nothing to do with it. I never beat the man. I, I, didn't, I wasn't on the jury. Nothing like, why did this happen to me? And I know what it felt like. And nobody will ever take that experience away from me. Because it was horrible. Horrible. And I'm not asking for anybody to feel sorry for me <laughs> by any means. Racism is defined. We got a funny way of just complicating things, but I, I, I looked up all these different definitions of racism, and they're just too confusing, and I, I tried to simplify it the best I can. But racism is a belief that my race is superior to other races. And this belief leads to actions of violence or prejudice towards the inferior races. 
And you, you, some of you could take that and go many different directions. I just try to keep it as simple as possible. I want to show you today how God feels about racism. I've, I've tried since that time and God working in my life. I stand before you today, I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. I believe that I truly love people a lot like God does, and I'm still growing in that area. Because there's still some people that I got to check myself. <laughs> that when I get around them, I kind of go, ha! Ah! I go, why is that? <sighs> Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I was like, why is that? St- that's still in there. I thought you took it out. I said, ha! Ah! I live in the country, and the other day, some guys were walking down. Nobody walks in my neighborhood. If you walk in, you, your car broke down, or you in trouble? You're looking for something bad. And then these guys are walking, I'm like, I went into red alert. I drove slow. I got out of my truck, poked my chest out while I'm filling up the cattle water. Like, I got territorial all of a sudden. I'm like, what the heck, man? Why is this in me? I'm going to do the best I can today, I promise you. I want to show you through the life of Peter and Cornelius that God is no respecters of persons. Peter, two characters here. Peter was a Jew, an apostle. He walked with Jesus directly for three and a half years. He was a working class man. He, he followed the Jewish laws and traditions. But hear me clearly today, Peter was a racist. Peter was a racist. He was highly prejudiced. And the funny thing is is that he had religious traditions and laws to back up how he felt. (laughs) And then I'm going to talk to you about Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile. He was a captain of a Roman army. He was responsible for approximately 100 men. He was a God-fearing man, though some theologians don't believe he was saved until Acts chapter 10. He gave generously to the poor. He prayed regularly. His household was good. They followed his example. Peter was a Jew. Cornelius was a Gentile, and they despised each other equally. Some people lean a little too hard on one side and say that the Jews despised the Gentiles. It worked both ways. They didn't like each other. The Jews get more blame because it seemed more, I guess, more prevalent that that they were prejudiced against the Gentiles, but the Gentiles were just as prejudiced as the Jews were. Are you hearing me today? In fact, if you go to the the New Testament, you go to the Gospels, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan wasn't a Gentile. I mean, the Good Samaritan was a Gentile. The guy who got beat up and left on the side of the road was a Jew. And Jesus told the story that a Gentile went and helped a Jew because Jesus was already speaking about racism before Acts chapter 10. And I'm going to show you a verse in here that's going to blow some of your minds because you need to get your head right about different people. Jews were considered ceremonially unclean if they entered a Gentile's home. Like entering a Gentile's home was a big deal. It was a big deal. I went and spent the night at my buddy's house, Jay, my black buddy. 
I went to spend the night at his house one time. You know what happened to me the next day? I caught flack from my family. What you doing over there? Spent the night at my partner's house. Gentiles didn't want to associate with Jews either because they saw them as hypocritical and legalistic. Uppity. Do you know it's possible to love and serve God and still have blind spots in your life? Someone once said that the most common blind spot is believing others have them, but you don't. So I'm going to give you four thoughts today from Acts chapter 10. We'll even get into chapter 11. Shocker. We're going to cover a whole chapter today. Somebody's like, dang, about time. Like, we're going to take us two years to get through Acts. Praise God, we'll go two years then. We'll get the record for the longest series in history. (laughs) Number, my first thought is this, is that God has a plan. Do you know that God always has a plan? And the day you forget God has a plan, you're in trouble. God has a plan in everything. (laughs) He has a plan. Go with me to Matthew chapter 8. I promise we'll get to Acts chapter 10. But go with me to to Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. I want to show you something about God's plan. Jesus was speaking... And he says this in verse 11. He says, I tell you this, watch what he's saying, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus stirred the pot. (laughs) He's talking to Jews. And he's telling them that their heroes, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are going to get sit next to some Gentiles who have no good reputation at the great feast. He was creating controversy between Jews and Gentiles. Jesus was addressing it with his disciples. You see, there was this centurion that was asking for Jesus to heal his servant. And Jesus makes an offer. If you'll read the story, Jesus makes an offer. Do you want me to go home with you? I'll go with you to your house and heal your servant. Which was insulting to the Jews that were with him because he would be considered ceremonially unclean if he entered into a Gentile's home. But Jesus said, you need something? I'll go do it. I'm going to go up in your house, and I'm going to heal your servant. The centurion says, no, you don't need to come. I'm a man of authority, and I understand authority. When I say things, things get done. You just say the word, and it'll be done. That's a big statement. (laughs) Just say... The word, back up to verse 10, look at what Jesus said. He said, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. When Jesus gets amazed, something big just happened. Come on, somebody. He was amazed, turning to those who were following him, Jews. He said to them, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. (gasps) Jesus, you better be nice. 
these guys quit their job to follow you? Like they carry your stuff and Jesus? Oh, Jesus. You stirring the pot, Shah? You know what he said? This Gentile that you despise has more faith than all of you. In verse 11, he's informing them that his table will be filled with all kinds of folks. And I had this thought, we better get ready for heaven. Come on, you better get ready for heaven. Because you're going to be sitting with some people you don't normally sit with on earth. You're going to be hanging out with some people you don't normally hang out with on earth. You better get yourself ready for heaven. Because there's going to be some people there you didn't think deserved to be there. And then there's not going to be some people there that you were assured that were going to be there. You're going to be surprised. We better get ready for heaven. So we find that God has a plan. You see, when we just finished studying on Saul, when Saul was converted on the Damascus Road, Saul eventually becomes Paul. Saul was converted, and then Saul, he was a Jew of all Jews. Saul's converted, and his mission, listen to this, was defined to the Gentiles. He was sent on mission to the Gentiles. Didn't mean he didn't reach some of the Jews, but he was sent on mission to the Gentiles. It seems to me Peter was under this assumption that I'm sent and I'm called to the Jews. So number one, God has a plan. My second thought is this, is that number two, God sets a meeting. If you ever find yourself wondering why you ran into this person or that person, you might ought to just remember that God sets up meetings. He doesn't ask your permission for a meeting. He, if he, when God wants a meeting, he sets the meeting. Come on, somebody. <laughs> He's like, you and you going to get together today. Oh, no, I ain't. <laughs> test me. <laughs> just test me. <laughs> God sets a meeting. Let's look at Cornelius for a second, the Gentile. Acts chapter 10, verse 3 to 6. Listen to what it says. One afternoon... About 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. (laughs) This is so cool. He is staying with Simon a tanner who lives near the seashore. Go to Joppa, find a dude named Simon who's staying with another dude named Simon who works in leather. Do you not see that? Is that not the coolest thing ever? Don't tell me Jesus don't know your business. Go to Joppa, find Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner. He's a leather man. Okay, you'll catch it later. I thought it's fascinating. So Cornelius is a man who fears God. He's a God-fearing man. He prays a lot. And I want you to notice something, that God speaks to the Gentile before he ever speaks to the Jew in this story. Order is important. 
but he speaks to the Jew also. God said to him, I heard your prayers and I seen your gifts. There's something you, you, you might need to understand today that even though you're not paying attention to some people, doesn't mean that God's not paying attention to those people. Just because you wrote some people off, doesn't mean that God wrote them off. Mm-hmm. You ever get offended by somebody? You ever wonder why? Why did that person offend me? Hmm. It's worth pondering over. You might be getting set up. <laughs> so that's Cornelius. Cornelius gets some simple instructions to go to Joppa, send men to Joppa, to find Simon Peter, staying with Simon the Tanner. And he, by the way, he lives by the seashore. <laughs> I mean, y'all but gave him his address. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> then God talks to Peter. But I want you to pay attention to how Cornelius gets spoken to in comparison to how Peter gets spoken to. And I want you to remember that Cornelius was a God-fearing man who prayed a lot, but he wasn't necessarily a Christian. He was just a God-fearing man who prayed to God. You can unpack that later. Peter was one of his own disciples, homegrown, raised. Come on. And they both get instructions differently. This is worth paying attention to, Acts chapter 10, verse 9. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. God will speak to you while you're hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. It's not complicated. Think about a white sheet held by something you can't see all four corners. And then on this sheet is a bunch of animals that he ain't supposed to eat. It's that simple. Led down by its four corners, in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. Oh, he's leaning into his religiosity. But the voice said again, do not call something unclean. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The vision was repeated, watch this, three times. Anybody in here God got talked to a few times? Come on, somebody. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome to our church. <laughs> the, the same vision was repeated three times, then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Watch this, verse 17. Peter was very perplexed, perplexed, confused, his mind was just kicked into overdrive, something that he's believed his whole life, something that was a great influence in his life, was just confronted, and he was wrestling to believe it or not. He was perplexed. He was perplexed. You ever have God tell you to go forgive that person that offended you, and you kind of had to sit on it for a minute? And what you doing, my Willis? Peter was very perplexed. He even was asking this question, what could this vision mean? And just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. 
standing outside the gate. They asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, I mean, he's like jacked up. <laughs> I mean, he's just wrecked. Come on, somebody. When's the last time you let God wreck your mind a little bit? When's the last time you let him come against your belief system? When's the last time he just confronted your thinking, thinking, and you had to sit there for a minute and go, hmm, hmm, I don't like this. As Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. <laughs> don't worry. For I have sent them. Boy, there's so much, so much in here. Oh, I love my Bible. Cornelius gets a few instructions, but Peter gets a whole new revelation that corrects his vision. <laughs> you would have thunk it would have went the other way. Like Cornelius didn't know God like Peter knew God. Cornelius would need more explanation than Peter would. But it's funny that even though Peter was a follower of Jesus, he still had some issues in his heart that God said, I'm ready to deal with this today. And God said, you're going to deal with this today. So he set up a meeting that was going to confront Peter's issue. Oh, you can follow Jesus, but you still got issues. Cornelius gets instructions, Peter gets a lesson. <laughs> His religious mindset gets challenged. He has, to, he has to go through the lesson three times. My God, three times. You know, anytime the Bible says God did something three times, you better pay attention because it's very important. Three times he's dealing with Peter's racism. And then Peter's left. Perplexed. I just want to stop right, right there for a minute because I just really feel like this is worth talking about. Being perplexed is not a bad thing. Being perplexed is a good thing. In fact, you need to be opening your heart and your mind for God to perplex you. When's the last time you cracked open your Bible, snuck into a room by yourself, got with Jesus, and got your mind wrecked? Got your heart wrecked, and you had to walk out of there kind of like, Phew. when's the last time you had to call a friend? You had to phone a friend. Hey, Jesus told me this. I need some help. You know what I'm grateful for? I've got about three or four people in my life that when I get in these moments, I can call them, hey, help me choose something. It's like, I just bit off a big old piece of ribeye. I got too much fat in there. I can't chew it myself. Help me chew this. I know it's gross, but bad analogy, Pastor, bad analogy. But I've got three or four friends that I call and I'll text and I'll say, hey, this is what my quiet time was. Tell me what you think. And then I'll listen and we chew on it together and I go, ooh, ooh, I didn't see it that way. And those friends do that back to me, and they'll send me things that God told them. I go, oh, oh, that, oh, oh, can that really be, oh, oh, mm. I know it sounds weird, looks weird. I'm doing all kind of funny things right now, but listen to me. When's the last time you let God blow your mind? Or is Fox News blowing your mind? 
Or has social media mesmerized you? When's the last time God mesmerized your mind, put you in a state of perplexed? It's a good place to be. Don't stay there too long, though. <laughs> Just saying. Peter is stuck. We stop at verse 20 when he gets the final instructions to get up, go downstairs, and go. We find Peter, he's just stuck. He's stuck in revelation. His mind is wrestling with this thing that Jesus just showed him, and he's not sure what it means, and he don't know how to take it, and he don't know what to do with it, and he don't know what the outcome is going to be. I believe there was something pounding in his heart that was saying, Peter, just trust the vision. Just trust Jesus. Just trust it. You may not understand it, but just trust it. Watch what happens right after he gets the vision, and he's all twisted in his head. He gets some very simple instructions that are worth unpacking the Holy Spirit says to him get up don't stay where you're at go downstairs get moving and go with them without hesitation he don't know these guys never met them before they're knocking on the house these are people he gets ridiculed for hanging out with go with them really yeah go with them. And then he says this. This is so important. Don't worry. Now, why did the Holy Spirit have to tell him not to worry? He must have been worrying. Right? But this is, I want you to pay attention to this. This is the second time we've seen this in Acts so far where the, where the Holy Spirit says to one of his, his followers, don't worry. Oh, whoa. You think he knows your fears? You think he knows your concerns? Do you think he knows what you're worried about? Yeah, he does. He knows all your thoughts. Don't worry. This is out of your comfort zone, Peter. Don't worry. You might get some repercussions for this. I sent them. So Cornelius' men show up, and the angel tells Peter to go, to get up, go downstairs and go with them. He says, don't worry, I've sent them. Wouldn't you think, man, can I just get a minute to try to understand this vision? Like, I don't understand. Have you ever been there before? I don't understand. And how many of you contend to be like me and like you, you, you won't move until you understand? Or at least have a certain measure of understanding before you'll act. Like if you tell me we're going to go build a dock on a pond, I'm like, okay, I like building docks. Help me understand what it's going to look like. I'm not going to grab a tool until I have a certain measure of understanding. In other words, I'm not going to move until there's a certain measure of understanding. The Holy Spirit didn't give him time to understand. He told him, get up, go downstairs and go with them and don't worry about it because I sent them. Now you're going to tell me Peter's got to have some more faith. He's got to have some trust. But he don't understand yet. And I was sitting there going, man, that's kind of hard, Holy Ghost. Are you tough? 
you know, it made me feel better about myself. I'm like, I can be rough, but you're rough too. I just tell people I'm acting like you. Just, sorry to let you know. <laughs> Scratch that. Just erase that. <laughs> That's how we talk sometimes. Uh, Peter didn't understand. Get up. Go downstairs. Go with them. Don't worry. I sent them. I'm like, Lord, what, what's, what's going on? This is what I felt like he told me. Some things you only get on the fly. Some things you don't get stagnant. Some things you only get when you move. Some things you only get when you get uncomfortable. Some things you only get when you get out the house. Some things you only get on the fly. You see, Peter doesn't fully understand or get this revelation until he's deep in the act of obedience. Oh, this is good, good, good. He don't get it till he gets up in it. Mm. The Holy Spirit reassures him. I had this thought. If an apostle, it's a question. If an apostle has to come out of his current mindset and get uncomfortable, how much more should we? So this is what's interesting to discover is that neither Peter nor Cornelius set this thing up. It wasn't a thought that popped in their head. They didn't know each other. They may have heard of each other. They didn't know each other. They had no plans to meet together. They didn't scheme this thing up themselves. Only God did. God set a meeting. God had a plan, number one, and then God set up a meeting, number two. But they both had to make a decision to trust God and step into something that didn't much make sense at the time. You see, if for one minute Cornelius holds back, the meeting doesn't happen. If for another minute Peter holds back, the meeting doesn't happen. How many meetings are we missing? Are getting delayed. They both had to make a decision to trust God. Cornelius had to send men to a place. <laughs> Go look for Simon. He's staying with Simon. He's a tanner. He lives by the seashore in Joppa. Boss, you ain't got no, no address? No, bro, that's all I got. Okay. Just go. Just, just go. My third thought is this, is that when God has a plan and God sets a meeting, man usually gets blessed because of it. Man gets blessed because of it. I'm not talking about your bank account. I'm talking about your life. By the way, your bank account is one of the lowest forms of blessing I believe there is. Man gets blessed. Let's look at Peter for a minute. Acts chapter 10, verse 28. Watch what happens to Peter. Watch how Peter gets blessed in this whole process. So Peter goes. Peter walks into the house. Peter <laughs> greets Cornelius. Cornelius falls on his face before Peter and starts worshiping Peter. Peter's like, no, dude, <laughs> we ain't having that today. Get up. We worship Jesus, not Peter. And so they talk for a little while, then Peter walks into the room where everybody else that Cornelius knows or invited to this time is sitting or standing, and then Peter says this. He says, you know, 
It's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. What a way to walk into a room. (laughs) You know it's not good for me to be here. It's not good for me to be in this house with you. That's how you get a good cool glass of water and some snacks. (laughs) Try it next time. You know, it's not good for me to be here or to even associate with you. Watch what he says. He's not done. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Boy, this is good. You know what I love about Peter is he's not afraid to open his mouth. And a lot of times when he opens his mouth, some good things happen. You know what he's done? He walks into an awkward moment and he says, you know, it's not good for me to be here and associate with you, but I'm learning something right now that God told me not to, de- to, to, to determine what's clean and unclean. He does that. Peter's having the conversation. He's having the conversation about the awkwardness of the moment. And he's not afraid to have the conversation. So Peter says, God has shown me that I should no longer think. (laughs) You didn't catch that, did you? But God has shown me that I should no longer think. (laughs) I'm not telling you to not think. I just thought it was funny. I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. You know, God told me a couple months ago to open my heart to anyone. He said, will you open your heart to anyone? I said, yeah. See, Peter gets this new revelation that God determines what is clean and unclean. God showed him how to open his heart to anyone. And an open heart creates clear sight. So they're in the room, and Peter's walking in. I don't believe Peter fully has the revelation yet. I don't believe he has it yet. I believe it's, it's unfolding as he's moving in it. I mean, he's just getting into the house, and he's starting to see already that God is up to something. But there might be a little bit more coming. And so Cornelius invites him in, and then this is what's important Cornelius starts to share what the Lord had told him and how he found Peter. He starts to share his story. I was praying. An angel approached me, told me to send some men to Joppa. He told me where you were staying, Peter. He told me you were staying at Simon the the leather man. (laughs) You were at the leather man's house by the seashore in Joppa. So I sent some men, and that's how they found you. His story is affecting Peter's revelation. So the next time the devil tells you not to share your story because your story is stupid, tell him to shut up and share your story anyway because you might be helping somebody's revelation in the process. And if it seems a little awkward and a little weird and a little not cool, share it anyway because that means it's probably really good and they need to hear it because hearing your story might open up the revelation that God's trying to get to them and they may have an aha moment. Right. 
So Peter's starting to see how God has set this whole thing up. <laughs> I wish I could have been in the room. Because, <laughs> you know, Peter, anyway, that's, that's for my quiet time. Verse 34. Peter hears the story, and then hears his reply to the story. <laughs> Listen to this. I see very clearly. That came after Cornelius shared his story of what God told him to do. I see, not just regularly clear, very clear. That's like after you put some good cleaner on your glasses. Come on, somebody. And you get all the streaks and the smudges out. I see very clearly. My wife just got a new pair of glasses. She's like, I can see. I can see clearly now. Anyway, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Verse 35, in every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. And where? In every single nation, in every color, in every belief system, in every background, in every, every ethnic group. He, he, God shows no favoritism. So it's time to get off our high horse and thinking we're all that in a bag of chips and open up our hearts to anybody else that God would have his heart open to. And if you've done that already, praise God. I see very clearly Peter's eyes are open through this whole experience and now Peter's ready to preach. So Peter gets blessed. He can see clearly now that he doesn't get to determine what is clean and unclean that's God's job. Peter just got fired from being the judge and the jury. Mm-mm. Cornelius gets blessed. Verse 44. You with me? So Peter starts preaching. From that moment, he says, I see very clearly. He starts preaching Jesus. This is what's fascinating. They don't know Jesus. Cornelius knows God, and he prayed to God, and he did good things. Cornelius was a good guy, but he's never met Jesus. <laughs> you know, meeting Jesus is the most important thing, Amen. not being a good guy. Like being a good guy, if that was enough, God would have never gave him a vision to go find Peter, right? Right? So being good is not good enough. Ruh-roh. You, know you might get perplexed. Peter starts preaching Jesus. Peter starts preaching that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus' blood will wash away your sins, that by his stripes. Peter just starts preaching Jesus like he's always done. He's preaching Jesus. And watch what happens in verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all. Say All. All who were listening to the message, the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. Oh my God, the Gentiles got the Holy Ghost. Can you believe it? It wrecks my mindset. It wrecks my influence in my life. It wrecks how I was raised. Are you kidding me? Amazed. That the God of all creation, who I thought he just left me and my people, loves different people too. 
They were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them, this is so familiar, listen, they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Go back to Acts chapter 2. It's the same exact thing that happened on the day of Pentecost. They were speaking in other tongues and they were praising God. We talked about that in chapter 2. It happened again. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Whew, this is good. Like man gets blessed. Cornelius, in an act of obedience, sends men to a place they've never been before to do something he's never done before. He just trusts this God that he's been praying to. He just sends some men. Peter's hungry, on the roof praying, goes into a trance, gets corrected, gets a lesson three times. He failed two times. He didn't graduate to... And, and, he, and then he, the men are at the door, knocking on the door. The Holy Spirit says, get up, go, and go. I'm with you. Don't worry. I sent them. And he goes and he walks in. He goes, I don't even, like, this is weird for me to even be here. You know this. Like, we don't hang out. Like, you ain't my people. Cornelius shares his story. Peter goes, uh-oh. He's tying the two together. This story, the white sheet. Huh. This is to the story. Then he goes, I see clearly that God shows no favoritism. He got the revelation. He didn't get it on the rooftop, though. He didn't get it on the street heading that way. He didn't, do, he didn't get it till he was in the middle of it. Your obedience is more important than you know. Your obedience is not just for God and it's not just for the other person. Your obedience is more for you than anything else. Some theologians believe, or they actually call this the Gentile Pentecost. Because <laughs> it happened exactly like it happened to the Jews. They can have the Holy Ghost too. They can speak in tongues too. They can praise God too. Ruh -roh. While Peter's blessed with a fresh revelation, Cornelius is blessed with salvation and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You got to get this today. Peter's ministry was broadened. Cornelius' ministry was empowered. But it was all God's doing. He knew what Cornelius needed and he knew what Peter needed. And he set up a meeting and he put them together. And these were two people that didn't like each other. Two people that wouldn't set a meeting on their own. They never would have thought to schedule a meeting. That's okay. God scheduled the meeting. And he spoke to each of them. And by faith, they went to the meeting. And God did an incredible thing that would forever change the world. My fourth thought. 
God has a plan. God sets a meeting. Man gets blessed in the process. Number four, the kingdom advances. You can't leave this out. The kingdom advances. So Peter, we find Peter on a rooftop, perplexed, confused, mind blown. In an act of trust, he goes like the Holy Spirit tells him to go. He discovers, he sees clearly. God moves in the situation. Oh, this is, God moves in the situation. You know, sometimes we just need to show up and let God move. Just show up. Let's jump into chapter 11 real quick. So Peter stays with Cornelius for a few days, probably helped him unpack some things, taught him about Jesus, shared a bunch of stories with him, probably talked about his own revelation some. Word gets back. Word gets back to Jerusalem that Peter Peter did a no-no. Did you hear Peter went into a Gentile's home? Did y'all hear about Peter? That boy done lost his mind. He's doing something he ain't even supposed to be doing. That boy went to a Gentile's home. I heard he even stayed there a couple days. We better go get Peter. The boy done lost it. He's possessed by a demon. Verse 18, when the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see. (laughs) Watch this. Peter goes back to Jerusalem. They're chewing him out, ridiculing him, attacking what God just did in his life. He shares the story of how God spoke to Cornelius and then God spoke to him and God set the meeting and then man got blessed out of it and then this is their response. When they heard, when the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. It went from I can see clearly now to we can see clearly now. Listen to me today. I try to lead without prejudice. I try to lead without holding anything against anybody. I'm leading. Okay, God put me in this place to lead. I I think I've been a good example. I've got friends that are black, brown, yellow. It doesn't matter. I've, I've tried to be a good example. I've raised my home that way. My kids aren't that way. My family, my household believes what I believe. Why? Because I set the example. But I was raised in prejudice. I was raised to be a racist. I was a victim. I was on all sides of it. Listen to me. When you fall in love with God, when you fall in love with Jesus, you can't help but fall in love with what he loves. And he loves people. He loves gay people. He, he loves the one that's trying to change their own body. 
to all my military people. He loves the people you fought against. And I know, I've, I've talked to some of my buddies, I know what it's like when these guys that have been to Afghanistan and, and an Arab-looking person walks in, tension raises up, things go... He loves them too. He even loves the person that hurt you. Stole from you. Wounded you. Took advantage of you. Pastor, you were doing good till you went there. Oh my God. I can't deal with that. If I see him, I'm gonna kill him. Aha. Woo! Mm. Forgiving somebody doesn't take away what they've done. It releases you from the thing. My men and women that went to war, I'm forever grateful for you. And even the people you were fighting against, God loves them too. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow. But you got to ask yourself, are you God's man or the world's man? Are you God's woman or the world's woman? Ooh. Getting awkward in here. It went from I can see clearly to we can see that God has the ultimate plan. Peter was a racist, but he ain't no more. It was his background. It was how he was raised. It was what he believed. But he ain't no more. You see, when you met Jesus, you were supposed to leave where you were raised. And sometimes that takes time. I mean, look at Peter. He walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Preached the first message to the first church. God used him in a mighty way. Not till 10 chapters later does God deal with his racism issue. But God's not even done with that. The kingdom is advancing. The Gentiles have the gospel now. That's, that's incredible. Peter gets revelation. His eyes are open. That's incredible. Peter opens his heart to his fellow brothers, and they, they see now too. Here's something we'll get into in the next couple of chapters. Is a couple of years later, or a little, little time later, Peter actually comes to the defense of Paul. When Paul gets reprimanded for spending time with the Gentiles, the very man who had the rooftop experience defends the man who had the Damascus Road experience. Final thought. Peter. 
Peter's experience led to Paul's defense. I want you to know that God fully knows how to advance his kingdom. He doesn't need our wisdom. He doesn't need our permission. He doesn't need our skills. He doesn't need our plans, our structures, our systems. God doesn't need anything from us other than obedience. He knows how to advance his kingdom, and he chooses to use us, watch this, as we obey. God can advance his kingdom in this region through every single person in this room if we will obey. One of the weird things about writing messages and sermons is that sometimes I have to live them out before I preach them, and then sometimes I live them out on Monday. <laughs> Y'all don't know how bad I dread Mondays. If there's ever a cave day where I want to hide in the cave, it's Monday. It's not got to live up to my own preaching. I usually get tested to some degree, either before or afterwards. I'm asking God if there's anything in my heart that's holding anything against somebody else. I want to be used to advance his kingdom, to give him glory, because it's all about him. I've got my past hurts, my past experiences, how I was raised. I've got all that going on. Three questions. And I want you to answer to yourself. Number one, are you willing? Are you willing to let God use you? Are you willing to let God use you? Number two, will you admit that you have blind spots? Will you admit that you have blind spots? Three, will you open your heart to everyone God's heart is open to? Will you open your heart to everyone God's heart is open to? by no means have tried to be insensitive today. To what you've gone through. I've had experiences too. Didn't get hired for a job one time because I wasn't black and female. Ace the test. Even had a leg up on everybody else. My uncle worked at the plant. Didn't get the job because of my color and my sex. It was a good job. It hurt. It's probably nothing compared to what you've been through. But for me, it's my experience.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this message. This isn't a black and white message only. This kind of message goes in every direction. There's people that we just have a hard time getting along with. People that we have a hard time being in the room with. There's people that we're just drastically different than. So we thank. God, help us today. If there is something inside of us that doesn't honor you, something that you don't like, I invite you in today. perplexed, confused. You know I'm going to question. You know it'll be difficult for me. But I'm willing to walk it out. I'm willing. This is where the rubber meets the road. I'm willing to obey you. I'm willing to get up Go downstairs and go. And I know that you're telling me not to worry that you sent them, that you set this whole thing up. But I'll be honest with you, Lord, I'm still a little worried. I'm still a little worried. I'm still a little tense. I'm still a little anxious. And But I'm doing it anyway. to this region to be a representation a representative of you and your kingdom in this region the stupid little jokes we make the ones we laugh at the remarks the surface things but especially the deep-seated things. When we see them or we hear about them, that, that welling up that comes inside of us, God, help us. God, would you deal with that? There's no room for racism. No room for prejudice in the kingdom of God. Jesus, you said it. You said there are going to be people of all kinds sitting at the great feast. Help us to get ready for heaven. Help us to get ready for heaven. So Holy Ghost, speak to us right now. Anything. Anything. Are you willing to do that today? Are you willing to say, Lord, anything?
So God, we thank you for this moment. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.